This episode is part of our Voices at MozFest series. MozFest is a movement where people from around the world and all walks of life come together to work toward a more humane digital world. Hey, Sarah, we're back at MozFest, kind of. <laughs> Kim, I love this. It's like the time loop that won't end in a place that I really want to stay. So I'm absolutely fine with staying in MozFest a little bit longer. <laughs> We are really excited about our guest today, and we are just going to be kind of meeting him as you do and learning more about him. So please welcome Pen Yuan Xing, who is joining us from England today. Hi, Pen. Hi. Oh, it's really nice to meet you, Ken and Sarah. I'm really excited to have a chance to chat about MozFest, one of the uh, you know, most exciting events I've been to, which I've been to several times, actually. It's always good when it keeps its excitement when you've been multiple times, like the honeymoon is over and it's still that great, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I, I definitely don't think the honeymoon's over for me yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Penn, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you? What do you do? What are you passionate about? Yeah, thank you. So I guess I'm coming to you today wearing at least two hats. So one hat is that I come from an academic background. I'm trained as an ecologist, actually. And back in the day, I almost feel like a past life now. I actually did a lot of field work. You know, I did a kind of thing where I spent a lot of time out in the field, unlike, you know, the African savanna, you know, spending my time hanging around with uh, wild animals like giraffes and elephants. That's my background. I also have experience doing marine biology research. I was super lucky. This is many years ago, but I actually got to go in uh, this submersible called Elven to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico to study the impact uh, from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill 10 years ago on deep sea organisms. So that was also pretty cool. And so slightly cool. later, yeah, and slightly later on, I was able to combine my experience doing field e- ecology research with my experience doing science outreach. Uh, when I co-founded a project called MammalWeb in Northeast England uh, several years ago. And we work with local communities uh, to use photographic techniques to monitor the wildlife in their communities. So that's uh, one hat I'm wearing, a ecologist who has started a citizen science project. My other hat is that during this whole time, I have also become more and more of an advocate for um, open science and open source in everything. Because by working as a scientist, I've learned that when it comes to producing knowledge, right, you are always building on what came before. And this is also true in other fields like artists, you know, the best artists steal from other people, right? Mm -hmm. So we are always copying and remixing, whether it's uh, science or art or any other culture. And I think this is such a core motivation Mm -hmm. for my interest in becoming a strong advocate for open science and open source. And last year, I was elected to become a community council member for an international network called the Gathering for Open Science Hardware, where citizen scientists and other academics come together to design and build open source hardware for scientific research. Okay, my brain is like going, wow. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, that was kind of a mouthful, I hope. uh, No, it's amazing. You have such a depth and breadth of experience, like that your unique training and context must bring such fantastic expertise and different points of view to any discussion that you're a part of. You've had such different experiences. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, that, that actually means a lot to me because um, it is very fun uh, kind of, you know, finding connections, right, between these different things that people are interested in. Mm -hmm. And it has been very gratifying doing all of these things. But I admit it has also been a challenge because, you know, when you do things like this, you at least I kind of feel like I'm a master of none, so to speak. Uh, and so, so when I talk to people about possible opportunities, they're like, oh yeah, it's, you sound like you're doing really cool stuff, but are you really good at the particular thing that I'm working on? You know, if, if that makes sense, oh, right? Nice. So, so it is a challenge sometimes and, uh, and it's something I'm still trying to figure out. You know, if you know anyone who's looking for someone like me, you know, let me know. <laughs> I, I think part of that, you know, having this interdisciplinary nature that you have, mm -hmm. I think Sarah and I experience this as well, is sometimes people don't understand that and they'd like to put us back in, you know, a particular box. Yes, right? a particular box, exactly. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And we're like, no, we don't want to be in, yeah. we want to be just then, in that box. Yeah. We want to be and then, Exactly. And then people are used to thinking inside certain boxes. So when the box don't fit perfectly well, I think there is a, a kind of mental kind of hurdle that some people need to mm -hmm. get over. But once you do that, in my experience, it really expands your vision and your imagination to possibilities you have never considered. Yeah, we we call it lovingly the Jane of all trades, Kim and I do, because you do a little bit of everything. And even in my work now, I work for a robotics company. And people say, so you're a roboticist. And I'll be like, kind of, not really. Oh. So you're in marketing. Kind of, not really. So you're a writer. Kind of, not really. So you're a teacher. Yeah, kind of, not really. It's, I can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> so, but I'm starting, I saw it as something that kind of held me back and gave me like really bad imposter syndrome for a while. And I'm starting to see it as a superpower. Like that's kind of my superpower. Like I will check every box and I will genuinely mean every box, which is yes. a good thing. <laughs> well, and I think connecting the boxes is so important because there are people who like to stay in their lane and that's fine, mm -hmm. but there needs to be people that help connect. So it sounds like Penn that you're one of those. I, I really like, you know, uh, exploring and identifying uh, these different connections, right, between different fields and, you know, see how you can play with that and what you can create with it. Which so, sounds absolutely perfect for MozFest. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, together. I so how did MozFest come, come together with you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what brings me back. How did you find MozFest? How did you make your way there? Ah, okay. So this goes back to 2016. I was attending a really cool event in Berlin called the, uh, oh, what is it called? It was second half of 2016, the Science Hack Day in Berlin. So it was kind of like a two-day-ish hackathon. Uh, it was organized in Berlin uh, by some people I know, and I was just attending it fun, and I was chatting to the uh, organizer, and they were like, hey, you know, your stuff sounds interesting. You should definitely, you know, go to MozFest and see, you know, how you can do there. So uh, my first experience was going to MozFest. Well, I guess it was probably beginning of 2017, right? Because if I learned about it in 2016. But anyway, yeah, so I went to my first MozFest. I actually uh, did a very small session there presenting my citizen science project called uh, MemoWeb and uh, had a really interesting discussion there. And it just went from there. Uh, and uh, I always try to go to MozFest every year uh, if I can. 
So this year at Modest you had another session. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I went to a session called Co-Creating Network-Centric Resources. Uh, it was on the first day, I think, facilitated by Dirk Slater and Heather Lesson, right? And I was drawn to this because uh, they described the session as you know, uh, when we build uh, knowledge and resources for our communities and networks, right? How do we ensure that they will be useful, usable, and actually used by other people? Now, I think this is so important, and I've been struggling with this uh, over these years, because in the age we live in right now, whether it's in the scientific research that I've done in the past, uh, the projects I'm running right now, or the open source communities that I work with, we are actually learning together this whole time, right? And then we're making these connections, we're learning things, we're generating knowledge. But I feel like so much of this knowledge is kept inside our heads. And if I leave this organization, the knowledge is not passed on. And the thing is that collective knowledge, I think, is really difficult to retain and pass on to other people in your organization. So I was drawn to this session because of that. And we had a really interesting facilitated discussion there where we traded our respective challenges and we tried to come up with some solutions. Obviously, it's an ongoing process. So it's not that we came up with, you know, a perfect solution during this 90 minutes. But at the very least, it was great to find yourself to not be the only person who cares about this problem. You know? <laughs> Yes, that's we've heard about that particular feeling from so many of our guests is like, we did not necessarily solve the problem. But now I know there are people all over the world that are passionate and concerned and hopeful and maybe a little fearful about yes. the same things that I am. And just knowing that someone else cares about that and that I can now connect with them is is such an exciting feeling. Exactly. Yeah, that connection is, is so uh, reassuring. And I think. You know, at least for me, sometimes when it comes to the things that I care about, you know, it, it feels a little lonely sometimes in that mm -hmm. often the people immediately around you might not care about it the same way you do. But when you finally go to MozFest, then you meet, you know, all of these fantastic people, then you realize that, hey, there's a much bigger world out there and we can, and we can connect uh, with, you know, uh, internationally this way. Uh, with people. And hopefully we can keep some of these connections going. I think you just gave a perfect description of what MozFest is to people who haven't been. That was my next question and you just answered it. <laughs> <laughs> How else have you been inspired by MozFest? Uh, well, I guess another thing I can talk about is that after this session I've been to, right, it really got me thinking and, and reflect on I guess a higher level uh, in terms of connecting this with other things I've reflected on in the past and other challenges uh, that I have. For example, I mentioned that I care a lot about uh, making things open source, right? And, and I think there is actually a connection there because in this particular session, we were talking about, okay, in your organization, right? How do you make sure that things you have learned are not forgotten, uh, even if someone leaves or something like that, right? But this actually has a very clear connection in my head to the concept of open source because the definition of open source I go with actually stems from the four fundamental freedoms 
that people talk about a lot, which is for any particular thing that is open source, and we're not just talking about software, we're talking about anything, right? It needs to come with for freedoms for other people to use it for any purpose. They can study how it works. They can remix it. They can build upon it. And they can share it to other people under the same terms, right? And I think there is a connection here because I think these kinds of freedoms are fundamental to making sure that the knowledge that we want to pass on can be passed on. Because in the world that we live in today, there are so many restrictions. You know, most people I've talked to are not even aware that legal, the legal things like, you know, copyright actually restricts everything by default. And we are not allowed to share. And we are not allowed to build on other people's knowledge. And uh, going to a session like this uh, stimulates me into making connections like this with other interests that I have. And, and to realize that in order for our collective knowledge and culture to be passed on, the freedoms that come with open source is so important, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And, and I yeah. think from, I'm now in an EDD program where I'm having to do some research and things like that. And, you know, the paywalls, the mm -hmm. things that are just keeping all this information that is supposed to be helping educators. So I'm working on computer science education, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not accessible. And that just, just, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting you mentioned that I was at a conference again, back in 2016, I went to the uh, meeting of the ecological society of America. So it's a bunch of ecologists, but there were educators there as well. You know, uh, there are high school teachers, for instance, right. They, they want to share uh, the curriculum they've designed, you know, or the teaching materials they've designed. And then a lot of them were like, you know, uh, oh yeah, I've published it on my website, right? And then, and then uh, one of the discussions we had was that, yes, it's awesome that you've put it on your website, but did you know that other people are actually technically not allowed to make use of what you've shared? You know, and so many people don't realize that. So, so you actually need to explicitly say that, yes, please, you know, share and remix what I've shared here under you know, a particular open source license. Uh, otherwise, that iterative process cannot continue. At least that's a personal frustration that I've um, experienced before. Yeah. Ooh. And I have so many more questions that I want to ask about that. But I just saw uh -huh. Kim's face, which means that we have 10 minutes until, <laughs> until our next guest comes on. So okay. Kim, can I ask my very favorite question? Yes, you may. Oh, this is my favorite question. Penn, how do you want to change the world? Oh, my God. Uh <laughs> Uh, wow, that's such a big question, isn't it? <laughs> Listeners, um, he just took off his glasses and put his head in his hands. I think I, I may yes. have overwhelmed him a bit. You, you, you described it really well. Um, okay. Okay. So, you know, it's so funny. You reminded me of a conversation I had with this amazing scientist that I got to work with back during my marine biology days. So he's this uber nerd from MIT, and he developed these autonomous drones, but they're underwater drones. So you would go out with them on a research ship and then you tell, tell the drone, hey, I want you to go to this place and survey the biology there or whatever. And then you just drop the drone in, in the water and then it just swims away autonomously doing all of that. It swims back to your ship, you pick it up and then you hook it up to your computer and you download the data onto your computer. Anyway, the point is, I was talking to this guy, I was like, wow, you're doing such amazing things. So how do you want to change the world? I asked him the same question. And what he told me, was that, and I'm going to try to quote this. So he said, well, you know what? I found that the older I got, the more uh, humble 
my aspirations have become. And that, that kind of stuck with me this whole time. And it was like, and having been in academia all these years, I've, I can relate that, you know, relate to that in a way where you know, it seems that as you get older, you become so much more cynical. And uh, I'm not necessarily saying he's cynical, but it just got me to think about that. It comes uh, with but, the territory, naturally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in academia, definitely. I, I, I can spend a whole hour telling you about that. But anyway, so um, my, my, my point is, there are kind of things I wish for myself and there are things I wish I could do, right? So what I, what I wish for myself is to try to maintain a, a certain level of uh, the child uh, that's still in me right now, however little there is left. I try to maintain that. Okay, but finally, getting to what I hope to do to change the world, I hope to be able to help other people make the connections, right? that I love making so that I'm not just making it for myself, but also helping other people do this so that we can come together in creative ways to expand the circle of liberty for knowledge and creativity in the world. It sounds kind of broad and abstract, but I also think it's actually fundamental in a way because, you know, when you think about the overwhelming challenges that we face in the world today, whether that's climate change or other things, right? We really need to be able to jump out of the box, you know? And to jump out of that, again, I think we really need to work in an open source way. And we need to be able to jump outside of our specific boxes to make creative connections, to come up with innovations and creativity in a fast enough way to meet these tremendous challenges uh, that we need to tackle. I'm sold. That's awesome. <laughs> Where do we sign up? Well, that's my but question think, too. Think, I'm like, you know, what can I sign up to do something? Yeah. Like this? <laughs> but I think just bringing it back to MozFest, I think that that is a community where those kind of aspirations are encouraged and supported mm -hmm. and, you know, even it's as an individual, you know, obviously we can't do it all our own, but we can do our part and we can be part of that positive momentum, being role models, doing all that. And so we really appreciate that you are a part of this community. Oh, oh likewise. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, like I said, it's amazing meeting people like you uh, during MozFest. And uh, again, this is the thing that brings me back every year, you know, to learn from all of you. It's an amazing experience and I'm very grateful. Oh, Penn, thank you so much. It was such a joy. We can't wait to share all of the resources and let people know where they can find you and learn more about your projects. We'll list everything we can on our resource page. And we're just so grateful that we had the opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. So, you know, if you're interested in ever chatting, we're working on, you know, whether it's open source stuff, ecological research and conservation, or innovative ways of using technology for conservation and ecology, you know, definitely talk to me. I would love yeah, to we know who to call if, if we yes. have those, uh, <laughs> if we have those goals. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, thank you again for making this podcast. And I look forward to, to, to going through all of your episodes. Awesome. Thank, thank you so you. much. <laughs> <laughs>